Father, thank you for Isaiah. Thank you for this, this part of uh, that book in your Bible. Uh, Lord, thank you that we can open that here together now. And we ask that you will work powerfully among us, that you'll work powerfully through your word, that you will use it for your purposes, and that you'll keep changing and transforming us into the likeness of Jesus through it. And so be with us now in every way. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. I want to begin with some words that usually bring a lot of things to our mind. So as I say them, what do you think of? You ready? Christmas lunch or Christmas dinner. Christmas lunch or Christmas dinner. I can tell by the smiles on your faces, I know exactly what you're thinking. Uh, These are words that are loaded with meaning, aren't they? So for me, I think of Christmas meals from my childhood. You know, lots of turkey and ham, nice veggies, and because I'm from Newfoundland in Canada, there'd be mashed turnip and salt meat and peas pudding, things like that, and everything smothered in gravy. I mean, you've you got to have the gravy, don't you? And then blueberry pudding for dessert. And then when you visit other family members, it all starts all over again. That's how it works. And so at the risk, then, of endorsing gluttony, uh, don't most of us associate Christmas meals uh, with the best foods, you know, and usually lots of it. I mean, how many of us have decided after a particularly good Christmas that we need to drop a few kilos? I mean, that's how it works, isn't it? We, we know how it, how it happens. So whatever yummy foods are on your mind, I bet many of us are thinking abundance and joy and deep satisfaction, that sort of thing. These are some of the themes of Isaiah 55. Here we have a picture of abundance and joy and deep satisfaction. But instead of it being about our physical food, Isaiah describes the word of God like this. He describes it as powerful and nourishing. And so that's what we're going to explore today as we keep thinking about a healthy church in our Healthy Church series we're going to take this in two parts. There's sort of two things happening here in this chapter. There is the invitation and there's a revelation. So the invitation and the revelation, and we're going to begin with the invitation. So listen again to how Isaiah begins. I'll have most of it on screen today, but please feel free to look along in your Bibles. It says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. Right away we see that God is offering something wonderful. Come, come to the truest satisfaction and abundance. It's more than just meeting our basic needs, isn't it? Come to the refreshing waters. Come for something that's rich and extravagant. It's almost as if God is holding out two overflowing goblets, you know, and one on each hand, and one is overflowing with wine, the drink of the good and the blessed life, and the other one, you know, is full of milk splashing over the side, the drink that fully, and you know, nourishes us. But it gets even better. It turns out that you don't even need money to buy any of this. How many of you have ever been to the Royal Easter Show? You can nod, put your hand up. 
most of us have been. How many have been to a festival of some sort or a country fair or a country show? You know, I think most of us have been to that sort of thing. We know, don't we, that there are usually a whole lot of great things on offer. And so, you know, you've got the pony rides for the kids and you've got the attractions, you've got the animals, uh, ice cream, tasty food from the vendors, the rides, you know, lots of good stuff. But to be honest, there's one thing that I never enjoy about these shows. Do you know what it might be? Everything costs something, and usually it's way overpriced, isn't it? I mean, we expect that before we even go. So we go with the mindset, no, kids, you cannot spend all of your hard-earned pocket money spending $30, $40, even $50 trying to win a stuffed unicorn. Like, you just go there with that mindset. That's what we expect. But here in Isaiah... God does exactly what we don't expect. He's holding out something amazing, but it's on the house. Just come, he says. And more than filling our tummies, he wants to fill our souls. That's what we read in verse 2 and the bit that's highlighted on the screen there. Eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fear. It's a great invitation here. We're only a couple of verses into, into uh, this part of Isaiah. It gets even better. This chapter keeps layering and layering in the picture here. The second half of verse 3 tells us, this, tells us that this invitation is eternal. It says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. God remembers his promise to King David that his kingdom would never end that one of his descendants would be on an eternal throne. And so this abundance from God, it will take place in the lasting kingdom of the true king. And now let's jump down to verses 6 to 8. It says, sorry. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. It's also an invitation to forgiveness. The sinful person can turn to the Lord and be made clean. The one who had rejected God can now come to him, can come near to God. Seek the Lord and find his mercy and his righteousness. And again, all of this is free of charge. There are no strings attached. So this first part of Isaiah 55, it's really calling out with the most amazing invitation. Putting it all together, this is what he's saying. Come with absolutely zero cost to richness and nourishment and satisfaction at the deepest level of your soul. Come to the promised eternal kingdom of the true king. Come and be forgiven by God. Just come. It's pretty amazing, isn't it, when we look at it like that? But how does this work? Well, the story continues with this abundance in action. This brings us to the second part of our passage. We move to the revelation. The revelation. So have a look with me, please, at verses 10 and 11. It says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, 
but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. These are powerful verses. They tell us that God's word nourishes and it brings about God's plans. Let's think about the nourishing. These verses say that the word is like the rain from heaven that waters the earth so that it flourishes, leading to seed and bread. And we know that all too well, don't we, with drought affecting country New South Wales as we speak. I mean, we had that news of the fundraiser earlier. Uh, crops in country New South Wales, sorry, people in country New South Wales are desperate for rain because they know without it, there won't be any crops. That's how it works. But remember the invitation here. The offer was to have thirst quenched, to delight in the richest of foods, and to have our souls fed. Here God is saying that it's his word poured out from heaven that does this. And so if you do have your Bible open, just have a skim for a second at verses 2 and 3. See if you can find some repeated and similar words, just in verses 2 and 3. Verse 2, it says, listen, listen. Verse 3, give ear, hear me. It's the hearing of the word of God that lets someone take advantage of God's offer. Think about it like this. What is the word of God? Well, on one level, it's all of his revelation. You know, all the things that he has spoken through his prophets, everything recorded in scripture. But if you collapse that down, what is the message or the basic message of God's word? It's the news of his son, Jesus, his life, death, Resurrection and exaltation. The word of God, then, in the most streamlined sense, is the message or the gospel of Jesus Christ. But also, the word is something more. See, if we stand back from Isaiah overall, this section, this chapter, chapter 55, it follows a bit about someone called the servant of the Lord. Very important as we look at Isaiah. This promised servant is the answer. He is the one who's going to come. He's going to fix up all of the mess that God's people are in. And he's going to do it through suffering and dying for them. He's going to give up his own life so people can be brought back to God. Now, in Isaiah's time, they could only know this in part. They knew it as they were returned from exile, as they were returned to God in that way. But for us on this side of the cross, we know that the servant pointed forward to Jesus. Jesus is the one who brings new life and eternal life. He's the one who brings people back to God. He says that he has come that we may have life and have it to the full. In John 4.14, he says, Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Do you hear the echoes of Isaiah 55 there in Jesus' words? Elsewhere in John's gospel, Jesus is actually called the Word. That's the title used for him. Here's how it works. We hear from God in Scripture, but he's made most clear in Jesus because he is the Son of God. So the Word is everything that God has revealed, everything is written in the Bible, but yet it's also Jesus himself, ultimately. It's the message of the saving king, and on another level, the Word is the king. So to bring this back then to what we've been saying, this offer of life in the king comes through hearing the word. 
This is the true hearing of the message of Jesus, which leads to eternal life and all of its rich blessings. And so if God's word leads to new life and forgiveness, that's why we as a church, we must keep getting the word out there. We need to keep hearing it and preaching it and reading it on Sundays. We need to have it in our midweek ministries. And as we reach out, we want people to encounter God. And they encounter him through his word. People need to hear the word so that they can know him and what he is holding out so they can come to him. But I think something else is happening here as well, something that's fantastic for the life of every believer. Look again one more time, please, with me at verse 2. When it says, listen, listen, I personally think this also means that the listening itself is the eating of what's good. You know, listening is feeding our souls on delights. That's what we're doing as we listen. Well, let me say this another way. Reading the Bible, listening to God, hearing and following the voice of Jesus, that is our food. That is food for the believer. That that in and of itself feeds our soul. Psalm 19 says this about God's word. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And in Matthew 4.4, when a hungry Jesus was tempted by Satan in the desert, Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So as we think about spiritual health, there's a basic question here. Are we feeding on the word? Are we reading what God has had written down? Are we listening to Jesus and encountering him on the pages? See, the Christian life is not about just hearing the good news once and being saved and then we tune out. No, it's about us keeping tuning in. A couple of weeks ago, I was saddened to hear that a, a Christian man who I deeply respect had died. Uh, the man on the screen is David Paulison. He's the, he was the director of the Christian Counseling and Education Foundation. He's been the lecturer for a couple of my courses. He's written a bunch of books and articles that I've read. A uh, great man. He lost a battle to cancer. And uh, so this past week, I caught some of the live stream of his funeral uh, it was you know, broadcast from the States. And uh, do you know what really stood out for me as I listened, as people shared the stories and memories about him? It was the rich role the Word of God played in his life. That's really what stood out. That's what people kept talking about. For this man, for David, it wasn't just about knowing the Bible. It was about encountering living truth from the living God all of the time for all of life. That was his story. That's why his ministry was so powerful, because of what God was doing. And this gave him strength and patience and joy and endurance right to the end with his battle. It was how he understood himself and the world and every single person he counseled. For him, God's word was very real. Everybody could see that. It did something in his life. I was very challenged in a similar way myself once when I was at a pastor's conference 
And one of the speakers asked, all of us ministers there asked this, he said, how often do you read the Bible to learn things to feed other people as compared with reading the Bible to hear God for yourself? We can so often read the Bible for information, can't we? Instead of desiring to listen to the voice of God. Now, most of us gathered here are not people who prepare sermons, but you know, the basic questions are actually the same. How do we approach God's word? Do we approach it joyfully and enthusiastically, or is it reluctantly? You know, how do you listen to a sermon? Do you take it on board, or do you switch off? You know, do you see your Bible as a checklist thing, or do you hunger to hear God? See, there are big implications here. Do you know that we have a speaking God? We have a speaking God. And whenever we encounter his word, we meet him. He speaks to us through his revelation. Do we long for the abundant life that comes from listening to the voice of the creator? That's why I pray at the beginning of each sermon, because I believe that God speaks. And so I suggest that you do the same. That you pray and ask God that you will know him better as you read your Bible. Not just that I'll read my Bible. God, I want to know you through what you're telling me through it. You know, let's ask God to remind and nourish us through that time. Let's pray that God will help us to see his word as very rich. Listen as I say this. This is a very important part of the healthy Christian life. If you are not feeding on God's word, you are starving. If you're not feeding on God's word, you are starving. And that usually means that you're snacking elsewhere, even without you realizing it. Because, see, if it's not the voice of God that's speaking into your soul, there are millions of other voices out there very gladly will do it for him. We don't live in a vacuum, do we? We need to be reminded all of the time of what's really real. And there's only one voice that's going to give that to us. Because this is what God reveals in his word as he speaks. God reveals that he is the loving and merciful creator. He tells us the problem, the core problem behind every hurt and tear. He makes it clear that he has sent his son to forgive and restore. Uh, Jesus tells us that he will never leave us alone and one day he'll come back as judge. In the revealed word, we're told about life, new life, and growth in life now and eternal life. Why would we want to turn away from the, the, the living word, the voice of God, which feeds our souls? Don't miss out. Let's just open our Bibles and say, thank you, God. Please grow and nourish me as I spend time in what you're revealing to me. Feed me on soul food. And you know what? As you do that, you'll find that your hunger will grow as well. You'll hunger for the word more. You'll start to think biblically when life throws you for a loop, and, and life will throw you for a loop. You know, the promises of God, because you've been hearing what he has to say, uh, they'll be richer and more precious to you. You'll grow in that perspective that's a blessing to your life and everyone around you. And then the word really does become sweeter than honey. As the rain pours from the heavens and waters the earth, the water, sorry, the word comes from God and waters our soul. It's a great promise, isn't it, that Isaiah is holding out here in chapter 55. But it gets even better still. So I want to finish by briefly thinking about the, the other thing the word does. It always accomplishes exactly what God desires. 
Look with me again at verse 11, please. It says, It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I want to introduce you to my dog, Biggles. Okay, Biggles is mostly a whippet. He's got a little bit of greyhound in him. He's five years old. He's a rescue dog. He is absolutely fabulous with the kids, and we've done very well with him. Biggles is great. I love Biggles. But there's a problem. If Anouk, my oldest daughter, if she calls out, Biggles, he'll come running. If Allison calls out, Biggles, he'll do the same. What do you think happens when I call his name? Nothing. <laughs> or usually nothing. You know, of course, if I'm opening the food bag or if I'm cracking open a tin of dog food, you know, he's, he hears little nails clicking up the hall as fast as he can go. Uh, but quite often when I speak, nothing happens. It's very unpredictable. God's word is never like that. It's never like that. When God speaks, something always happens. In Genesis 1, God simply spoke and the universe came into being. God's word is powerful and active. And that means that the news of Jesus is always life-changing. People are saved through the hearing of the word. So please, never think that any words that you share from the truth about Jesus are ever a waste of time. You know, even if you are not as eloquent as you think or or eloquent as you'd like to be, God's word and truth will always accomplish something. And yes, some people are going to reject Christ, but then the word will confirm them in their unbelief. For others, a seed will be sown that God will water, and praise God, still others will come to saving faith. But God's word will transform lives. If we're dealing with that, he's doing something with it every single time. And the word of God will always grow believers as well as we've been seeing. It will change you. So make sure you come to church and listen to God for the sermon. Did you know that every sermon that handles God's word faithfully, truthfully, is a re-revelation of God? And when truth is spoken, that will make us more like Jesus as we truly hear it, as the spirit works with it in us. When you encourage a brother or sister here in this church with, a, with, a, with something from God's truth, from his word, it will be good for their soul. God will do something with it. And it's because behind the word is the most powerful speaker. So let's keep trusting that God will accomplish great things, that he will change hearts and lives as we base our lives and ministries on the messages of the Bible and the message and good news of Jesus. We learn from this part of Isaiah that we have a God with a powerful and nourishing word. It calls. It grows. Nothing else but the word of God can radically bring new life and feed souls. So have you accepted the abundant offer? And if so, are you drinking deeply and having life to the full? Pray with me, please. And as we pray, we'll close our service as well. Father, we thank you so much for this part of your Bible, for Isaiah 55. And Lord, we praise and thank you that you work powerfully through your word. Thank you, Lord, that through your truth, and and of course your truth fully realized in Jesus as well, that we see new life 
and we see the fullness of life. Lord, we ask, please, that you will attend to every heart here right now, every person sitting in this church. And we, we ask that each person will know the richness of your word. Father, for anyone who uh, has never accepted the invitation, we ask that you will be merciful to them. Lord, we ask that we'll all be found drinking deeply from your truth, and that you'll water us and change us and transform us and grow us. And Lord, lead us into deep joy, uh, as we see in the, in the last verses here of this passage. Lord, we ask that as we saturate our ministries with your truth, that you will accomplish your great purposes through what we do. And we ask that we will be changed, that you will be, that this abundance that you hold out, or that we will know it, and we'll know it personally as we hear your voice. So grow in us our hunger to hear you, and we ask that you will accomplish your great purposes as we do. In Jesus' great name.